Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Roll another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Tuesday edition Pro Football Talk Live, NBCSN, NBC Sports Radio. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. Plenty to discuss as we get closer to free agency. We are getting farther and farther removed from the scouting combine. You know, it's funny. The scouting combine kind of comes and goes, and then we just move forward, right? There's always something on the calendar. There's a system. There's a rhythm, Chris. We've both been doing this long enough now that – that we know early March what the rhythm is, what the news flow is, what we're building up to. We're building up to free agency and before free agency, that window where teams can go out and make offers that can be accepted in principle, not binding, not signed, but that's coming March 16, less than two weeks away, and then it's time to sign the contracts and a lot going on between now and then, including the application of the franchise and transition tags, which we talked about earlier. So here's what we're going to do in this segment. We do this from time to time, and when we ask you respond with plenty of great questions. We're going to open up the mailbag that we have compiled. And let's get started with a guy who's going to be the topic of conversation, Chris, over the next several weeks and has been over the past several weeks. Cam Newton, One Panther Place, asks this. If the Liz Frank heals correctly, do you see any reason why Cam Newton couldn't play at a high level for another four or five years? I, I, I don't. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to continue to be an upper echelon QB. I, I, you know, again, it, it's, uh, he's a guy that's been beat up. We know that. Yes. Uh, he plays a different style of game than most quarterbacks, but this is one of the more physically gifted freaky guys we've ever seen in the league. And yes, at his age, I think he's done a pretty good job of taking care of his body. You know, you could see that the, the proof is in the pudding there a little bit to where, yeah, I, do I think he's going to be the guy we saw in 2015? No. You know, do I think his game will have to adjust to maybe being a little bit more of a pocket passer? Yes, but I think he can do that, and I think he's still got a number of good years left in his career. 
Yeah, I agree with you. The question I have isn't getting him healthy, though. It's when yeah, the next injury, right? Yeah, Once right. he's healthy, is it the shoulder again? Is it the foot? Is it the ankle? Is it this? And and there's something going on between Cam Newton and the Panthers where, you know, the Panthers are out there saying, we want him, we want him, we want him. He's putting these videos on social media where he says, among other things, I just want to be appreciated. He's due to make $19 million this year. Yeah. And it's easy to say, we're not going to give him a new contract because we don't know if he's going to be healthy. Well, the reason he's not healthy is because of everything he's given to the team. He is woefully below market value, and I could see him wanting a new deal even if he's not 100%. Yeah. And that's going to be a potential pressure point between the Panthers and Newton. And I still don't rule out a trade, Chris. No. I know the Panthers have been trying to throw water on it, but that's trade leverage. I'm with I'd you. i say the Chargers make the most sense. Chargers pick up the phone and get you some Cam Newton if you want to put – butts and legs in the seats at your new stadium. I, I think he's coming out and saying things like, hey, I want to be just be appreciated. It's his little way to go, like kind of just set that narrative. Like I shouldn't be being paid this. I'm on the last year of a deal. And, you know, it's kind of his way to kind of have a little crack in the door to say, I want out of here. I, I think I fully expect when he passes the physical in a few weeks that we will start to hear that Carolina is looking to move on from Cam Newton and start a new era uh, at the quarterback position or whatever, and that they try to trade Cam Newton. I really do. I just think there's too much, too much changing going on for for both sides here. You know, I think Matt Rule and Joe Brady and all of them, they're trying to, you know, instill their own culture here and, and start a new era in Carolina. And I think Cam Newton is probably like, wow, that that's a lot to go through. And I think he's probably needs a fresh start as well. I, I think he will be on another team when all said and done. As our guy Darren Gant, who covered the Panthers for years, surmised yesterday when news broke that Trey Turner, the offensive lineman in Carolina, is available in trade. Right. If he's available in trade, uh-huh. Cam's available in trade. And let's take it. Let's, folks, I want to put something on your radar screen for the month of April. Christian McCaffrey isn't showing up for anything until he gets paid. And uh, depending upon what he wants, and it would be foolish for the Panthers not to move heaven and earth to keep this guy. He had 1,000 yards rushing. He had 1,000 yards receiving. But, uh, look, he's not showing up, and that's going to be one of the first big challenges for David Tepper as owner and Matt Rule as coach. Forget about Cam Newton for now. They're going to have to solve the Christian McCaffrey problem, Chris, and it's not going to be easy. No, it, it won't be, and this is going to be the new thing with the top-tier running backs in football, and I don't blame them. I mean, it's, you know, as you and I have talked about many times, you know, if you ask me, you know, it's the most physical position of all sports. It's worse than being a heavyweight boxer or doing anything like that. So I'm always for the running back trying to get that second contract as quickly as they can as soon as they have leverage. Next question from at its Laker time. What would be your thoughts on a potential Nick Foles and Frank Reich reunion in Indianapolis? That's been inspired by some reporting that isn't all that firm. It's more based on whispers and chatters from Indianapolis. I think ESPN had this one yesterday that the, the, the Jaguars are open to the idea of trading Nick Foles and giving the starting job to Gardner Minshew. And I've said in the past that that may be the ideal solution. You don't yeah. want to have Foles. Not that Foles would – Foles would be the perfect guy to be the backup Gardner Minshew because he wouldn't he wouldn't be a negative presence. He'd be a positive presence. Right. But it's a lot of money. If you can unload the contract, maybe you should. Do the Colts make sense? Yeah, it's uh, well, you're right. It's a lot of money, and also it is a negative presence even without being a negative presence because as soon as Gardner Minshew has a game where he throws three interceptions, everyone's going to start to go, well, they do have Nick Foles. Should they throw him back in there? And that's where it's negative as far as the development of a young quarterback. I thought – about the Nick Foles, you know, Frank Reich, Indianapolis Colts thing. Certainly, I have. You know, 
I, I don't think it happens. I don't see it happening. First off, you know, what, what, so they're going to pay Jacoby Brissett and Nick Foles a lot of money to really not be a good starter? You know, I mean, Nick Foles is just like, he's the same thing as Jacoby Brissett. He's that guy that's, oh, he's a really good backup, but I'm not so sure. He's a guy that we want to be our starting quarterback for seven, 16 games or 17 weeks. You know, so it puts them in the same boat again. Uh, so I don't see that happening. I think that they need to get somebody a little bit more proven. And that's where I look at Phillip Rivers and think, okay, that makes sense. But if you have Nick Foles and Jacoby Brissett, you have two guys that are kind of the same thing. Yeah, Nick Foles is just a little bit better version of that. Um, but I do think that the Colts, without a doubt, are going out there to get somebody. We know that. I think Jacoby Brissett's done being the starting quarterback. And I think Nick Foles is done being the starting quarterback in Jacksonville. I've heard a lot of the same things you are. They're going with Gardner Minshew. He's their guy. I spoke with Frank Reich last week on the day that you had to quickly exit the set. Yeah. And I asked him near the end of the interview about Nick Foles, and he he lit up. There's still affection. There's still positivity. They want a Super Bowl together in Philadelphia. Frank Reich's the head coach of the Colts because of Nick Foles to sure. a certain extent. Now, I know that Reich earned it through work and perseverance, but if Foles doesn't come in and play like he did late in the 2017 season and help deliver that Super Bowl win, Frank Reich is not the head coach of the Colts right now, or at least he wouldn't have been as of the start of the 2018 season. So I I think that that uh, it's possible. And I think that when you consider the money they have invested in Brissett, maybe this is a good combination where you don't go out and spend a ton of money on Phillip Rivers, to whom they've been linked, you spend reasonable money on Nick Foles. You take him to Indianapolis. You let him compete with Jacoby Brissett. If Brissett wins, fine. Foles will be a great teammate and help him get better and better and better. And if Foles wins, he'll – who knows? Who knows, right? We've seen Nick Foles twice in Philadelphia be spectacular. We've seen him everywhere else he's gone be not very good. But here he would be in Indianapolis with a guy who helped him be great enough to win a Super Bowl. I'm fascinated by what that could become. I'm kind of rooting for that one, frankly because I think it could work for the Colts and for Nick Foles. At Based Dez, why do people think Justin Herbert and Jordan Love are so close? I don't understand why Herbert gets no respect. Chris, your reaction? Well, yeah, I, I do. There is a faction of people out there that just want to crap on Justin Herbert. I don't know what it is. You know, I think it's the it's the it's this what this is what it is. We have a number of people in the sports world right now that they just look at the bottom line stats. That's all they do. So they go, oh, Oregon lost. Oh, Justin Herbert only threw for 150 yards. Well, he must be the reason they lost. Man, Justin Herbert can't win big games in the Pac-12. He just can't. I just read the stat line. I didn't see any of the game, but I saw the stat line, and that was the one that jumped out to me. So he's got to be the reason they lose. Now listen, Jordan Love, I like him. I haven't, You know I haven't studied and deep dived these guys yet. I'm hoping to actually start that today because I had a little snafu with my, my film. Um, and I, I mean, Jordan Love, it's, he's going in the first round as well. Justin Herbert, I think all the issues that I hear people talk about with Justin Herbert, more times or not, have to do with Oregon's offense. And then I see people nitpicking him on TV. And go, oh, look, he could have made this throw or done this. But yet they don't show like other plays where I'm going to go, well, here's a play that like nobody in college football can make. Somehow that gets cut out of the uh, highlight package when people want to crap on this guy. To me, this guy has the most potential to be the big-time superstar. 
I mean, not only with the size, but he's twitchy. You saw what he was as an athlete. And I think, again, a lot of it goes back to, you know, the, the Oregon offense. It was, it's one of the worst offenses I saw as far as throwing passing concepts on TV this year. And I saw a number of games with Oregon this year and just went, well, I, where does anybody want Justin Herbert to throw the ball? There's nobody open. I see five guys, and they're all covered. And I just think some of that has gotten there, which I think is hilarious that people crap on him. And then Jordan Love, who throws 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions, nobody has any concerns about him. He's clean as can be. And that's where I just want to go, what? So, so it's, a, it's a false narrative out there right now that I don't, I don't agree with. And I'll be able to give you more answers as I deep dive into this whole thing. I want to know more about your film snafu. You buried the lead there. What happened? Did uh, you puke on it? I had a, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I had some issues. It's coming. I can't uh, talk about it here on air. But, uh, but we're talking about uh, a guy, again, that's getting crapped uh, on that ran through for 32 touchdowns and six interceptions. And we're talking about, oh, it's just not consistent. I, it should be 40 to zero. Oh, and then I see him run and I'm going to go, whoa, he's the best running quarterback in the draft too. Like, so what, 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 so, you know, there's a lot of positives there. I don't understand the negative, like hate on the guy. And he's a big dude, six, six. We met him very respectful. Yeah. Nice. Right. I, the only, the only negative yes. I would have yeah, I know where on you're going. Justin Herbert is when we asked him what quarterbacks he admired growing up, and he went straight for Joey Harrington. That was an odd answer, no doubt about that it. That was a stunner. Well, that was I think stunner. that goes back to what's really concerning people in the NFL circles about Justin Herbert is just that he's he's never been out of Eugene, Oregon, and that's what scares people a lot is just they feel like he's kind of lived in a – he's Bubble Boy to a degree. You remember Bubble Boy on Seinfeld? I remember Bubble Boy. <laughs> right? He's not that kind of Bubble Boy, but he's in a, he's been in a little bit of a bubble, and I think people that's sort of people are a little worried about uh, as far as the biggest concern with him is. All right, next up, at Orion Chuz, am I crazy for thinking Taysom Hill could be someone Bill Belichick would go for at quarterback if Brady leaves? I'm guessing that Belichick would love the Swiss Army knife aspect and the fairly modest cap hit. And look, when we consider what mobile quarterbacks have done to the Patriots over the years, they finally have a chance to go get a mobile quarterback, assuming that Tom Brady moves on. Well, I, I do think like Bill Belichick would love a guy like Taysom Hill. Him and Josh McDaniels could have a lot of fun with that type of player, but... I think the, the reality of the situation is this. What, Mike? I mean, sh this is like Sean Payton's little pet project, and he loves him. We know that. We've asked Sean Payton about him. We can see him light up when he talks about Taysom Hill. So, you know, yeah, do I think Bill Belichick would like him? Certainly, but there's just no freaking way he gets out of New Orleans. Between what we heard from Drew Brees and Sean Payton, they both want him back. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And look, they're going to use a restricted free agency tender, and it's most likely, uh, if not definitely, going to be a first-round tender, and the Saints are going to match whatever offer that someone else would, would sign Taysom Hill to if he even signs an offer sheet. Because that's the thing, too. What offer sheet do you put in front of Taysom Hill that would lock him up into 2021 and beyond that would be better than just taking the $6 million this year and franchise tag next year if the Saints ultimately can't sign into a long-term deal. He wants to be paid as a franchise quarterback, not as a high-level jack-of-all-trades. So I don't think he's going anywhere, although I am fascinated by the possibility of the Patriots getting a more mobile quarterback, and really anybody is more mobile than Tom Brady, given what mobile quarterbacks have done to the Patriots over the years. So right. on that note, we're going to take a break, and when we return, more on what the Patriots can, should, or may do at the quarterback position if hashtag Tommy takes his talents somewhere other 
than New England. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. I think we're all running out of time and chances. And then nobody respects Tom more than I do. This crowd letting him know how they feel. That's kind of a joke. You guys take everything so literal. Oh, as the NFL world turns, the epicenter right now, Tom Brady, New England Patriots. And we talked earlier in the program about the reality based upon a Tom Curran item from NBC Sports Boston that it's not a done deal yet that Tom Brady is leaving the Patriots. There was a frenzy that broke out in Indianapolis last week as reporters tried to get ahead of the story. And I think we all feel there's a collective benefit to our interests if Tom Brady does leave because it will become one of the biggest stories we've ever seen, yeah. especially depending upon where he goes. But, Chris... It's still not a done deal. Now, let's assume for these purposes it is a done deal. What do the Patriots do next at quarterback if and when Tom Brady is gone? That's the subject of this segment, and I'll let you go first. Give me a guy or two that that you think would make sense for Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and company if Tommy leaves. Well, I, I mean, I, I think right where like the, we've heard the rumors and conversation, I do think the Andy Dalton thing's real. I do. I, I, I believe that. Now, I will state with this. I start off with this. I do think there is great uh, hope and potential in that organization, I feel, or the feeling for Jared Stidham, who's there. Now, whether they want to go and let him ride and die and be the guy in year two of his career, I doubt that. Uh, but I do think Andy Dalton would be a guy that I look at right away that, hey, yes, he, he can run that offense. You know, I think Andy Dalton, you know, a little bit like Ryan Tannehill is probably a little better than we all give him credit for. Uh, and it just hasn't always been perfect around him there with the Cincinnati Bengals. So that would be option number one. And then, hey, if Ryan, if Tennessee's going to mess around with Ryan Tannehill and all that, I would fully expect that the New England Patriots get, get involved in that conversation. You know, he he fits the mold too. He's a pocket quarterback, has the size they like. He can throw the ball and, of course, can make some plays with his legs as well. I would think that would be the next guy they look at if they can't figure out an Andy Dalton uh, trade. And let me just say this about Ryan Tannehill. If Bill Belichick makes a play for Ryan Tannehill, chances are Tannehill is going to be a star in that offense. Simple reason. They dealt with him from 2012 through 2018, subject to whatever games he missed due to injury and yeah. he missed all of the 2017 season. But he knows this guy. He's come up with defenses exactly. to try to stop this guy. The same reaction I'll have for Tannehill is the one I had for Stephon Gilmore. When they signed Gilmore, it's like, this guy's going to be a star in that defense because they've seen him 10 times over the last five years. They know what they're getting because they've been his opponent. So they may not want Tannehill because of that, but if they do... If they do, that's the ultimate litmus test to say he's going to be great because they wouldn't want him if they didn't think he was going to be great based upon everything they learned while dealing with him. That's right. Dealing with him. They saw him in the wild card playoff game this year. You know, I'm sure there's people on that staff that still talk to Mike Vrabel, and he's told them things that are probably positive throughout the year about Ryan Tannehill. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. 
You know, and as, I don't know if we get closer here to the free agent deadline, I'm not sure, so sure Tannehill's not the first guy they call, and then maybe Andy Dalton's plan B from there. You know, and then hey, where do they go after that? I think is the next question. Like, what if those two options don't happen? What if Andy Dalton gets traded to the Cincinnati Bengals? What if you know the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill figure out a, a long-term contract here sometime in the next ten days? Where do they go from there? I think that's the big question to me, and that's where I don't know. And you know, I'll I'll. Fly it out with you here. Well, there's one guy who is undefeated in his career against the New England Patriots. Now he's only two and zero, but still two and zero against the Patriots in this decade is pretty impressive. And that's Cam Newton. Wouldn't that be something if Cam Newton ends up in New England? Now you'd want to be damn sure he's healthy. Uh, but you're looking for a quarterback with some mobility and a coaching staff that would know how to use him the right way and not unnecessarily expose him to injury. Man, that is a fascinating concept. I still think the Chargers make more sense because they need someone to fill up that stadium. But boy, the, the Patriots could do a lot worse than Cam Newton, and they've seen some of the best of Newton when they faced him and lost to him twice. Yeah, they definitely. you're right. There's not a lot of quarterbacks you can sit out there and say, I've never lost to the Patriots. I got a winning record against Tom Brady. I mean, Cam Newton's on the short list there. And I feel like Russell Wilson, I think he's got the edge on him. And I mean, we're, we're talking about maybe that's about it. I guess the thing I look at with New England, you know, and Cam Newton, yeah, they could be successful, yes. I just don't see that being their cup of tea. I don't see them wanting to move to that type of offense quite yet. I think there's just a little too much uncertainty uh, with the health and then the contract situation. I don't know. I just don't feel like that's something New England's going to want to deal with right now. Here's the other thing I think we need to consider because, look, the Patriots typically in free agency – will sit back and wait for other developments that are going to be more expensive to happen. Right. And then they, they, they know that they can get a bargain. They, it starts for it week two be, for them. <laughs> right. it, it could be that even though quarterback is a critical position, that they know that after that first week, when the music stops, there's going to be some quarterbacks standing around saying, what the hell do I do next? And that maybe that – or maybe it's just like the ricochet from wherever Brady goes. We talked about trading for Garoppolo earlier if he goes to san francisco garoppolo makes a ton of sense to go back to new england so it's going to be a fascinating story we'll be back with more right after this 58 years ago yesterday wilt chamberlain scored 100 points in a basketball game the philadelphia warriors beat the new york knicks at the hershey park arena 169 to 147 and 100 of those points scored by Wilt Chamberlain. So today's draft, Chris Sims, most impressive single game performance in NFL history. You've got a trivia question for me that will determine the first pick in the draft. Yep. Okay, here we go. Jameis Winston, okay, led the NFL in passing yards last year at the age of 25. In the last 10 years, only one other quarterback led the NFL in passing yards before turning 30, which I found very interesting. Who was it? Led the NFL in passing yards. You want a hint? Turning thirty. Give me a hint. Well, he's still playing. He's oh, not. Cur- really he's not currently down. on a team right now. Ooh, Colin Kaepernick. Ah, you baited me, Philip Rivers. It? Oh, he's not. Well, that's good. Well, he is currently on a team. He's still property of the Chargers. That is a false hint. He's still on the Chargers. 
He's still on the charge. He's not a free agent until March 18. You gave me a faulty hint, Sims. You can take the first pick. Is anyway. he or is he not in the PFT top 100 free agents right now? He's due to become a free agent on March 18. Hey, lawyer, not, they didn't shut up, lawyer. Him. They didn't shut release up. him. Go puke in a trash can. Uh, okay, Sims. I go might ahead. do that. Fine. Okay, <laughs> don't corner me. I might do it. All right. All right. Here we go. I got so many damn options for this thing right now. I don't know where to begin. But my first pick is this. Gale Sayers versus the San Francisco 49ers, 1965. Okay, we're talking about Will Chamberlain, 100 points in a game. Amazing, unbelievable. How about touching the ball 14 times and having 336 total yards and six touchdowns? Yeah, the Kansas Comet, Gale Sayers, with the punt returns, everything like that, and a route where they won 61-20 to against the San Francisco 49ers. To me, that goes down as one of the greatest performances ever in a single game in the history of the NFL. First off, his highlights are off the charts. I mean, it's just amazing. He is truly like a human highlight, but that's amazing. To touch the ball 14 times and have 336 total yards and six touchdowns, you talk about maxing out your your carries or touches of the ball. That's about as good as I've ever seen. And it's a damn shame that medical technology wasn't at the point then that it is now because it was a knee injury that cut his career short. He still made it to the Hall of Fame. And I think that game had a lot to do with it. Not that he was otherwise bad, but that game stands out and it echoes 50-plus years later. If he could have gotten over that knee injury and continued to play, my goodness what he could have become. He was still special Hall of Famer for the Chicago Bears. But, uh, yeah, I, that's a great selection by you right out of the gates. And I'm going to go back even farther into the history books. I was at least alive for that one, although I was less than a year old. In 19 and. 51, Norm Van Brocklin with a record. And I used to be very impressed by the Johnny Unitas record for consecutive games with a touchdown pass because he did it back in an era where passing was not anything like it is now. In 1951, Norm Van Brocklin threw for 554 yards in a game. And it's never been broken through all of the rule changes and all of the high-flying offenses and all of the focus on pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. Nobody has thrown for 550 more or more since 1951 when Norm Van Brocklin did it. And great job by the control room. I don't know that this is the exact game. If it is, even more impressive. 554 yards in one game. I don't know what kind of defense they were playing in a day of run the ball, run the ball to have that much passing yardage, but 554. That's mine. That would have been my first pick if I'd have won the draft. So either way, I'm satisfied. Yeah, that's good. I hear you. He was on my list too. And I mean, that is amazing. 554. I mean, in that era, I mean, that's like throwing for 700 yards in a game now. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. And that's, that's what's amazing about it. Uh, and, you know, Norm Van Brocklin, another guy that probably gets lost in the shuffle because he played such a long, long time ago where, yeah, he's one of the greats our sport's ever seen, and we don't really talk about him a whole lot, right? So uh, I, I, I hear you there. All right, man, I'm in a tough spot here. I got so many damn names. Hey, you know what else? Norman Brocklin was the original coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Wow, right, I did not. Ahead. I did not know that. I did not. Um, I think I got to go with Joe Montana and Super Bowl Twenty Four for my next one. I mean, Joe Montana, Super Bowl Twenty Four. Not only was the NFL MVP that year, the Super Bowl MVP, Sports Illustrated Man of the Year, or Sportsman of the Year, which used to be a big deal, but. 
that to me will always stand out as one of the greatest Super Bowl performances I ever saw. I mean, hey, you win your fourth Super Bowl, you get the MVP, you throw for five touchdown passes. He broke my dad's record of 13 straight completions in the game uh, during that run. I mean, that was surgical. I can just remember sitting there watching that game as a young boy just going, oh, my gosh, the Denver Broncos have no chance. Joe Montana, every pass is touchdown. And, you know, black, 56 laser, black, 56 laser, right? You ever see that old NFL thing? It's like that was that game. To me, that will always stand out to being one of the best quarterback performances I have ever seen and of course it was on the Super Bowl stage which magnifies it even more and I vividly recall that game because it was a year after the Bengals 49ers down to the wire and we were starting to think maybe Super Bowls are changing now they're not gonna right. be blowouts right. and I remember we kind of settled in and we had all the food and we're ready to go and this is gonna be a great game and it was snooze fest uh unless you're a 49ers fan so that's a good selection by you but not a historic day I am going to go with another guy who did something as a rookie that for him is a record that still stands as to anyone who's ever played the game. And that's Adrian Peterson against the then San Diego Chargers 2007 at the old Metrodome rushing for a single game record of 296 yards. Man, very impressive by the control room. Those are the, They're on you know, fire. That's Vikings uniform. Yeesh. But uh, yeah, 296 yards, a guy who was a rookie at the time. That's not the year he almost set the single season rushing record, but 296. He had some injuries as a rookie, missed some time, but uh, no, no time missed that day. He was unstoppable against the Chargers. Yeah, I, I mean, I still can remember it. I mean, I just remember going like, oh my gosh, this guy. I mean, he's from another planet. You know, you've heard me talk about stories about him. You know, I, I've seen a lot of great running backs in my life and in person. And, hey, the one he was playing against that day, LaDainian Tomlinson, will still be one of those guys that always sticks out in my brain. I can remember in 2004 watching LaDainian Tomlinson on the sidelines when I was playing for the Bucks, and just going, whoa, this is amazing. Look how good he is. And yet, as good as that was, it wasn't what I saw from Adrian Peterson in person. In 2008, when I saw him, I was blown away, and I've, I've never seen anybody move the way he did, and that was an amazing game, an amazing performance. All right, I'm going... I got some more trivia for you. Yeah. I got some more trivia for yeah. you. In that same game, just before the half, Ryan Longwell attempted a 57-yard field goal. Antonio Cromartie caught it at the back of the end zone oh. and returned it 109 yards for a touchdown. That was like the first – that was when that started to happen. You're right. That was really the first of its kind, right? I mean, I want to say it was it was him or maybe my buddy Nathan Vasher of the Chicago Bears. They started doing that. And, uh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. that. That was a fun game to watch. Holy cow. Gosh, I have so many options here again. You know, I want to pick my dad in Super Bowl 21, but whatever. That's not cool. I mean, yeah, I know. That's my favorite dominating performance, but I'm not going to pick him, all right? I'm going to go. You're just going to mention it for three minutes. I'm going to give him a little little shout-out, okay? I usually say screw hey. Phil Sims. This one, I'll show him a little love, all right? Willie Flipper, Flipper Anderson. Flipper Anderson, 1989. That Rams team with Jim Everett at quarterback. They're playing the New Orleans Saints. I can still remember watching this game. It was like every ball was going to Flipper. But Flipper, 336 yards receiving in a game, 15 receptions. I mean, that, that's insane. 
336 yards receiving. I don't know what, what how many yards did Jim Everett throw for in the game? I don't know. I don't really care. But Flipper Anderson, another, you know, one of those guys that's like an NFL legend. We don't talk about a whole lot, but I had some experience with him in this year. I mean, this year he beat my dad's Giants team twice. I remember watching this game. And of course, later in this year in the playoffs, he caught the overtime touchdown and ran out the tunnel in Giants Stadium, which made me cry. So Flipper Anderson, that performance is about as good as I can ever remember. 454 for Jim Everett that day. Wow, that's that's amazing. Only a hundred and only 118 yards to everybody else on the team. That's unreal. That was quick math by you. I don't know whether it's correct or not. There's it a is. chance it's not. All right, last one for me. Uh, and and this, uh, let's go defense. We haven't gone defense yet. Derek Thomas, yeah. 1990, against the Seattle Seahawks. Seven sacks in one game. Still the single game record. He was dominant. He was unstoppable. Except on the last play of the game. And Tony Dungy, who was the defensive coordinator of the Chiefs at the time, tells this story of how on the last play of the game, Derek Thomas had Dave Craig lined up for sack number eight. Right. And Craig wiggled away and threw the game-winning touchdown pass to Paul Scancy. Remember Paul Scancy? I do. We're the only ones who do. I do. I do. And I remember, I mean, I remember that. And yes, I mean, I wish we had the highlight, but you're right. He's got Dave Craig in his hands for the ninth sack, and he slips out and throws the touchdown. It's unbelievable, but Eight. that that yes, that will be uh, that will be one I will never forget about the late great Derek Thomas, legend. You know there are others that that I had on the list. Uh, you know Terrell Owens had twenty catches in a game once. Yeah, unbelievable. Back in December of two thousand. Yep, and I didn't realize Jerry Rice had a five touchdown game in nineteen ninety. Five touchdowns. I mean, that's right. That's just that's a click below Gale Sayers. I always thought early in Randy Moss's career he was going to have a game like that. I thought it was just a matter of time before he had like a six-touchdown game. Right. Uh, it never happened, obviously, but I really felt like it was going to be him. And remember when Reggie Bush came in? Yeah. I think his birthday was yesterday, too. Happy birthday, Reggie. There was that sense he was going to be the new Gale Sayers, and there was going to be a moment like that for him, and obviously it never happened. But we, we keep waiting for that guy to have that dominant performance like Gale Sayers. And I think, you know, back to – to your first selection, I think that makes it even more appropriate because that is like the first I, – I, I was messing with you about Norm Van Brocklin. The Gale Sayers game from 1965 is still, all these years later, the first one that comes to mind when you just think of sheer dominance and per-touch right. impact on a game. Right. It was like, a, it was like a, a man playing with kids. That's what it looks like. I mean, it, what's amazing is some of those plays you watch, like he's not down in a two-hand touch football game. Nobody can get two hands on him. He gets just like one hand touches and people just grasping for him as he goes by. Uh, that, that's one of those guys where you always will wonder, like a Bo Jackson, where you just go, man, if they stayed healthy, what would their have career really ended up looking like? What kind of numbers and stats could they have put up? All right, we got to take a break. Uh, let's take a look at the results of our draft for today. Most dominant single game performances. Chris has Gail Sayers, Joe Montana, Flipper Anderson. I've got Norvan Brocklin, Adrian Peterson, Derek Thomas. Let's take a break. When we return, what you're going to be talking about today, it's something you've been talking about for a while. It's something we're all going to be talking about and thinking about. How will the NFL and other major sports deal with this coronavirus outbreak? It's an important topic that could impact sports in a very significant way. We'll talk about that next on PFT Live. We pride ourselves on giving you a respite from the, the the news of the day that can cause you to be worried or upset or scared or whatever. But sometimes there's a crossover and we can't ignore it, Chris. With the coronavirus here in the United States, 
clearly spreading. Who knows how long it's actually been here. There will be an impact on the sports world sooner or later and probably much, much sooner. The NFL told me on Sunday that it's closely monitoring developments and has been in contact with the World Health Organization, CDC, NFLPA, medical experts, and uh, those at the Duke Infection Control Outreach Network program for infection prevention. That is one hell of a mouthful. But um, they're going to continue to look at it throughout the offseason. Here's the thing. The draft is 51 days away. I don't know what's going to happen with this. Nobody knows what's going to happen no. with this. And I have not even the, the, the shred of qualification to wonder what may happen. All I know is there are a bunch of different ways it can go, and it can go in a way that makes no one want to go to Las Vegas for the draft. No one. And it could go in a way more immediately, Chris. We're supposed to go to Florida for the league meetings in three weeks and five days. Yeah. That's 26 days away. Math may not be correct. They may not have that. There's no need to have that. They could do it all by by FaceTime if they want to. Right. So, uh, you know, the, these are decisions the NFL is going to have to be ready to make quickly. And we mentioned it today because the NBA, according to ESPN.com, has sent out a memo to teams advising fist bumps instead of high fives. Don't take items from fans that you sign. Uh, you know, pens and balls and and jerseys that the fans have touched. Uh, right. Nothing about possibly canceling games or playing games without a crowd there. But uh, you know, the I think everything's on the table because every potential permutation and option is available for this thing as we try to figure out what it is, how it's going to spread, and how long it's going to last. Yeah, it's it's concerning. It is. I mean, I'm just hoping it doesn't trickle into our everyday life right now more than anything, too. It's scary. It's scary to me, a guy with no spleen. I mean, I know if I got it, I'm I'm going to be you know susceptible to the 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 harsher side of that. So uh, you know, and you listen to any expert out there right now, and they seem to think that the spread is inevitable. We just hope it doesn't overtake us. And yes, I, I would hope that all these sports leagues and, you know, to do the right things as far as avoiding unnecessary travel when it doesn't need to be done and doing all that, I think can go a long way to, you know, to helping this thing be contained and not let it spread. Uh, but, but really crazy and certainly something I got my eye on for sure. And look, some of these steps are going to take a major bite out of the economy. We saw what happened to the stock market last week, Chris. It rebounded somewhat on Monday. But, you know, if 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 all of a sudden people just stop going to sporting events, that's a problem. Even if the tickets are already paid for, nobody's there to buy any of the stuff. That's a problem. They're talking about possibly playing the NCAA men's tournament game without uh, games, many games, without fans in the stands if it comes to it. So, you know, look, I think it's important to plan for every alternative. But I also think that at a certain level, and I've seen how different nations have handled this and how different cultures will handle it. I, we're kind of a nation that was founded on the taking of risk. I mean, we started a revolution against the King of England. Right. And we have people who ride motorcycles without helmets and jump out of airplanes and climb rock walls and just do Or guys that don't wash the their hands when they leave the bathroom. I see it all the time. Exactly. So we exactly. have, yeah, renegades, renegades. So I would I, call I just, them other I words, just, but yeah. I, I, I think that, but and, I, and thank you for not doing it. I just think that we need to wait and see what happens. It could be the thing spreads. And it could be that people just continue to go about their daily lives and accept the fact, the incremental risk that they're going to get it. And uh, and and you know, now for people in the higher risk categories, there needs to be a greater degree of vigilance. But I think for the average person, the average American citizen, I I really don't see people consciously disrupting their routine and denying themselves the things they want to do. Because I think part of our 
our defect as a society and a culture is, ah, that's not going to happen to me, Yeah, even if it does. Sure. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of our American way. I mean, confidence, stupidity, whatever you want to say there. You know, I, I mean, yeah, we, we do. We seem to kind of just continue to truck along and – you know, we, we let the experts and the people who, you know, seem to know most about the subject kind of handle the situation. And let's let's hope we all continue to take their advice, listen to what they say, you know. And, hey, I, you know me, I'm a big fist bumper because of the germs anyways. That's what I do. So let's all fist bump out there. You know, I don't want to hey, really shake I, any man's hand. I don't know where that hand's I, been. I'd listen, rather just fist bump all the time. I wonder, yeah, it may have been holding a trash can while the guy threw up into it. Exactly. I wonder how different last week would have been at the scouting combine if the news cycle had lined up, you know, because if it was like a week later. Start, right. If it all, if it had just been a week. Yeah. Either way, would, would we have been fist bumping? Would there have been no handshaking? Would people have been more leery and more cautious? And think about a sports team. If one guy gets it, Everybody's getting it. Right. How many times through the course of a year do we remember that the Patriots this year they had 15 guys on the injury report with the flu? Yeah. It, well, if it gets into a locker room, they took, somebody took two planes. Right. For the sick guy. It was the Patriots. It was the for Patriots. The sick guys yeah. And the healthy guys. Right. Yeah. Well, it gets into a locker room, you're screwed. I mean, as you know, I mean, that's just not exactly the most sanitary place in the world. You know, you got 53 men touching a lot of things, sweat touching, they're naked, whatever else. There's a whole lot of damn germs in a locker room. So you'd be screwed if that got into a locker room. It's going to spread like wildfire. Uh, I just hope that we can continue to contain this and this doesn't become a huge issue where, you know, it ruins our country or really puts us in a bad spot for a little bit of a time here. Well, and, and I think that people need to be smart. They need to be vigilant. Hopefully people won't panic. You don't want the society to collapse over fear of something that we just don't know enough about. But uh, but from a sports league standpoint, it is something to be concerned about. And I'm already getting emails from people saying, oh, the flu kills thousands every year. Look, the mortality rate for this thing is, is much greater than, it is for greater the flu. than the flu. Right. 20 to, you're ex it's 0.1% for the flu. Right. It's 2% for coronavirus. So this is not, it's just the flu. The flu kills people too. Like, that's okay. Ah, oh, what the hell? It kills people. Yeah. We shouldn't worry about it. Right. No, maybe we should. Anything that kills people, we should worry about. On that note, have a great Tuesday. See you Wednesday. Let's <laughs> see ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.